What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Miller. So tonight is the start of MLB Free Agency. It'll open up at 5 p.m., so free agents will be free to sign wherever they want. In this episode, I'm going to give a quick preview of each player that's available. I'm going to break down the top 15 free agents to begin, and then after that, I'll talk about a handful of other free agents, and I'll talk about where I think each of those guys will end up. Today's a big day in sports, though. You get James Harden's debut with the Clippers. Should be an exciting one to watch. They're playing the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. I think the Clippers will get a win in that one. Excited to see James Harden with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. Then we also have the start of college basketball tonight. Northeastern tipping off versus BU. I think Northeastern should pick up a win there. They've been struggling the last couple years, but got a few key transfers that came over. Still have a couple guys from last year coming back this year. So I think Northeastern should pick up a win there. And then as for BC, they're playing Fairfield tonight. And they should get a win as well. BC had a very good year last year. The last couple of years, they've been building with Earl Grant, stepping up in the ACC each of the last two years. I think this year should be a good season for them as well. I'll preview probably both of their seasons and the rest of the college basketball season tomorrow. I wanted to do it today, but really just don't have the time to do so. So I'll preview the college basketball season tomorrow. And then, as I said, we also have the start of MLB Free Agency tonight. So James Harden's debut, college basketball tipping off, and then also the start of MLB Free Agency, which I'm going to give a list of my top 15 free agents available. And we'll start off with the number one being Shohei Otani. Not too much of a surprise there. One thing that could impact, though, his free agency and how much he gets is his elbow injury. He just got surgery in his elbow, meaning he's not going to pitch at all in this upcoming season. He'll have to wait until 2025 until he returns to the mound again. Even with the elbow injury, though, I still think he get a good payday. Very good talent, especially when you consider how good he is both ways. With him being just a batter for next season, he'll still get a great payday. Obviously, there will be a risk now for the rest of his career with an elbow injury. Now this is his second time getting Tommy John surgery in the MLB. But considering how good he is as a batter and obviously the risk it's obviously a high risk, but also a high reward potential if he were to be able to stay healthy for a good amount of that, let's say, 8-10 to 10 year deal that he's going to get. Then it's worth it at the end of the day. The number two overall free agent I have is Cody Bellinger. Had a great bounce back season for the Cubs. At number three, we have a Japanese player, and that's Yoshinobu Yamamoto. He's gotten a lot of buzz over the last year to be the best overall free agent in this free agent class besides Shohei Otani. I still consider Cody Bellinger a top free agent, probably the best bat overall besides Shohei Otani. So I had Bellinger at two. Up at Yamamoto at three, though. Obviously a very good talent in Japan. We'll see what he does in the major leagues. And number four, we have another pitcher, and that's Blake Snell. Very good year this past year for the Padres. Maybe the best pitcher overall in baseball last season. At number five, we have Eduardo Rodriguez, who had a very good year for the Detroit Tigers. Number six, Aaron Nola, the Phillies' ace over the last few years. Number seven, Sonny Gray, who was great for the Twins this past season. Number eight, Josh Hader, probably the best reliever in baseball last season for the Padres. At number nine, we have Jorge Soler, a great power bat this season that had a very good bounce back year for the Miami Marlins. Then at 10, we have Jordan Montgomery, a big piece for that Texas Rangers team and a big reason they got to the World Series and won. At number 11, we have Matt Chapman, a good power-hitting third baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays. He is a free agent. We'll see what money he gets on the open market. At number 12, we have Marcus Stroman, who had a good year this past year for the Chicago Cubs. At number 13, we have Clayton Kershaw, who will be out until next summer with a shoulder injury that he just got work on, which is obviously tough to see. But when he is healthy, he's one of the best pitchers in the major leagues. I know he does struggle in the postseason. That's something that's been a big thing in his career people have talked about. But when he is healthy, he's still a good, valuable piece for that rotation. So I could still consider him a top free agent. At number 14, we have Justin Turner. Had a great season for the Boston Red Sox. And then number 15, we have J.D. Martinez. Justin Turner, J.D. Martinez switched places from the Dodgers and the Red Sox and vice versa. And they both succeeded in their new homes. Excited to see what each of them do in free agency. It was really interesting to see them both turn back time. Both of them... Being in new places, switching places as a designated hitter for their respective teams. 
And they both found a way to turn back time and just be the hitter that they once were in years past. So that was obviously great to see. Hopefully, Justin Turner's back with the Red Sox. I'll give you guys my predictions on that in just a second. So now I'm going to break down where I think each play will end up. I know I'm probably going to be wrong about a lot of these from what money a player is going to get to also where they're going to end up. But it is hard to predict the player's contract and where they're going to end up. And this isn't order-based on how I think they're ranked. I already gave my top 15 free agents. Now these are just all scrambled in order. I do start off at Shohei Otani, so it does make it seem like it's ranked. But this isn't really the ranked order. This is just a scrambled list of where I think guys will end up. So we'll start off at Shohei Otani, who this past season for the Angels had a monster year, even though it was cut short due to injury. He still had 44 home runs, 95 runs batted in, 20 stolen bases, a 304 batting average, a 1066 OPS, and then on the mound, he was dominant as well. A 10 and 5 record with a 3.14 ERA and a 1.06 whip. He was terrific this past year. It is tough when you look at his Angels career, considering they have two of the best talents in the game of baseball, Mike Trout and Otani, and they have no playoff success to show for it. They never even made the playoffs once with those guys, and that's obviously tough to see. I'm a big fan of both those guys. I'd love to see Shohei Otani back with the Angels, but I think it seems like he's going to be gone. I think he's still going to be on the West Coast, even though there's six teams I've broken down where I think Shohei could end up. On the East Coast, we have the Boston Red Sox and the Philadelphia Phillies and New York Mets. Then on the West Coast, I have the Dodgers, Giants, and Angels. I think it comes down to those six teams. But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, Shohei Otani is going to sign with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And my prediction is a 10-year, $510 million deal. He'll likely want to be on the West Coast since it's closer to Japan. That's why I have the Dodgers and Giants as my top two destinations for him. I do think the Red Sox will be in the mix for him. I do think they have a shot. But I do think at the end of the day, he'll stay on the West Coast, even though I'd love to see him in a Boston Red Sox uniform. I think it's more likely that he ends up either on the Dodgers or the Giants. The Giants are a team I'd say to watch out for, though, when looking at where Shohei Otani is going to end up. Because Otani is going to get a good payday. There's going to be a couple teams that might be a little bit afraid of giving him as much money as he would have gotten if he wouldn't have been hurt. Then there are going to be other teams, like the Dodgers, the Giants, maybe even the Phillies, that will give him whatever money he wants. Same thing with the New York Mets. They'll offer whatever money he wants at the end of the day, and if they overpay, they overpay. They're just happy to get him on their team. And I think the Dodgers are going to go over the top here and pay him like he were to be fully healthy with his elbow, even though it is a big risk. If they win a World Series or two out of it, then it's completely worth it in my eyes. But my prediction here for Shohei Otani is he goes to the Dodgers and I have him at a 10-year, $510 million deal. I was going to have the deal be around $425 million for eight years, but I ultimately chose the 10-year deal. I think he's going to probably want a 10-year deal and he's probably going to get whatever money he does want from the Los Angeles Dodgers, a team that we know isn't afraid of spending money and they have a low payroll right now. They're right around the middle of the pack in the MLB and payroll for this upcoming season. They're going to spend a lot free agency. They found a way to cut payroll last season to prepare for this moment. And I think they know Shohei Otani is the number one target for this upcoming free agency class. So next up is Yoshinobu Yamamoto, a 25-year-old right-handed pitcher from Japan, a five-time All-Star, three-time ERA champion, also a two-time Triple Crown champion in the Japanese Baseball League. In those seven years playing in Japan, he had a 70-29 and record with a 1.82 ERA and a .94 whip. Unreal command on his fastball, a great cutter as well. Has shown ability to go long in games. That's obviously going to be a big thing, jumping from Japan to the major leagues. A lot of guys do struggle with that, considering the baseball in Japan is different than the baseball they use in the major leagues. That's obviously part of the reason Shohei Otani's elbow had some problems coming over from Japan right away at the start of his career. Hopefully, Yamamoto does stay healthy. I have him going to the New York Mets for a seven-year, $225 million deal. I know the Mets are being talked about as a team that's waiting to really build in a couple of years. I don't think that's the case. I still think they're going to be right at the top in spending in free agency. They got rid of Max Scherzer. They got rid of Justin Verlander at the deadline. 
And they got great prospects back in return, so I think it's a good deal for them. And now I think they're looking to load up their starting rotation, and it would be a great one-two punch between Kodai Senga and Yamamoto, two Japanese pitchers that are two great talents, and it would be one of the best one-two punches in baseball for years to come. Next up, we have Shota Imanaga, a 30-year-old left-handed pitcher from Japan. He played eight years in the NPB and had a 64-50 record with a 3.18 ERA and a 1.12 whip. He started for Japan in the World Baseball Classic Finals versus the USA. Ended up being a game that Japan won over the U.S. Shohei Otani did close out that game against Mike Trout. was one of the best moments in baseball in recent years. I think Imanaga is going to go for a four-year, $64 million deal, and I have him signing with the Chicago Cubs. His fastball sits around low in 90s, but has great command and also a very good curveball. I have him going to the Chicago Cubs for a four-year, $64 million deal. Next up, we have Aaron Nola, the ace for the Philadelphia Phillies, who is 12-9 this past season with a 4.26 ERA and a 1.15 whip. I think he ends up leaving the Phillies in free agency. I have him going to the San Francisco Giants for a five-year, $130 million deal. Next up, we have Matt Chapman of the Toronto Blue Jays. 17 home runs, 240 batting average, a 755 OPS, and just 54 RBIs this past season. I have him staying with Toronto for a five-year, $90 million deal. Wasn't his best year this past season, but if he were to leave the Blue Jays, they would have a major gap at third base. I think he ends up staying with them and re-signing on a five-year deal. Next up, we have Marcus Stroman of the Chicago Cubs. A 10-9 record last season, the 3.95 ERA, a 1.26 whip. Had 119 strikeouts and 136 and two-thirds innings pitched. I think he ends up signing with the Baltimore Orioles on a four-year, $65 million deal. They need to add to that starting rotation. And the Orioles have not spent any money over the last couple seasons. I think they've been waiting for this moment with their prospects coming up and waiting to really just try to fill gaps in free agency. Now they have the ability to spend whatever money they want, and they have a ton of prospects coming up in the process. So they know what they need and what they don't need. Starting pitching is obviously a need, and I think they're going to go out and get Marcus Stroman. Next up, we have Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers. A 13-5 record last season with a 2.46 ERA, 137 strikeouts, and 131 innings pitched. He's not going to pitch until next summer after getting shoulder surgery recently. I still think he sides with the Dodgers, though. I think he goes back on a one-year $12 million deal. Next up, we have Javi Baez of the Detroit Tigers. He had nine home runs, a .222 batting average, a 59 RBI total, and a 593 OPS last season. He does have until tonight to decide whether or not he's going to opt out of the last four years of his contract. He's four years, $89 million left on his deal. And even though it is a lot of money, a lot more money than he's going to get in the open market, there were rumors during the season he could potentially opt out. There weren't any rumors that he is going to today, but if he were to opt out, he's going to lose a lot of money. He's not going to get that much money for free agency. But I think if he does opt out, he's going to get around a two-year, $27.5 million deal with the Seattle Mariners. That's my prediction if he were to opt out. But there is a likelihood that he ends up staying since he's not going to get that money on the open market. Next up, we have Jason Haywood of the Dodgers, who had a great bounce-back season last year for the Blue. 15 home runs, 40 runs batted in, and a two sixty nine batting average. I think he signs a one-year deal with the Cleveland Guardians. They need some help in the outfield. They need another power bat in that lineup. Even though he's not the power bat that he once was, still had a good bounce-back season. He's a cheap option on the market. They're looking to spend lower money and just try to find some budget deals. I think he ends up being a good deal for them on a one-year $6 million deal. Next up, we have Hee-Yeon Jin Ryu, who I think is going to be signing a one-year $11 million deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. This past season for the Blue Jays, Battled injuries the last couple years. Only had 11 starts this past season for Toronto. Had a 3-3 record, a 3.46 ERA, and a 1.29 whip. Was really good in his days with the Dodgers. Really has been battling injuries, though, since then. I think the Cardinals are looking to add to their rotation considering Adam Wainwright's retiring. They traded Jack Flaherty the deadline last season. And they're not looking to have another bad season. I know last year was a big surprise year for them. 
It was a disappointing year. Nobody even saw that year coming for the Cardinals. But they still have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt in their primes. You don't really want to waste those two talents. So I think they're going to add to their rotation. And a guy like Ryu is not going to cost a lot of money. But he could potentially bounce back and be a great value deal. Next up, we have Martin Perez, who had a 10-4 record this last season for the Texas Rangers. A 4.45 ERA and a 1.4 whip. Has been great since leaving the Red Sox. Been a lot better a pitcher with the Texas Rangers than he was for the Red Sox. I think he signs a two-year, $25 million deal with the Tampa Bay Rays. They're looking to add to their rotation. I think he'd be a solid addition for them. The Rays find a free agent just about every year that they sign to a small contract. and They end up being very good in turning back time, like we saw this past season when the Rays signed Zach Eflin. He was never that good of a pitcher with the Philadelphia Phillies and ended up being one of the best pitchers in the AL this past year. I think Martin Perez could be a similar guy for them, a guy they signed to a low contract who could be overly productive for the money he's getting. Next up, we have Harrison Bader, who played for the Yankees last season and then was placed on waivers and got picked up by the Cincinnati Reds. Seven home runs in total last year, 232 batting average, 20 stolen bases, and a 622 OPS. He's a guy that's a very good defensive center fielder, shows good speed around the base paths as well. I think he signs a three-year, $36 million deal with the Padres. I have them already adding two outfielders, one of them being Harrison Bader. I think they're going to potentially move Juan Soto. It's a big possibility. If you look at what they did this past year, at the end of the season, they had to find a way to get a $50 million loan to try to pay the rest of their payroll and their game checks for the remainder of the season. So that shows they're in cap hell right now, considering how much money they're spending. They're in a tough situation, and I think they're going to probably have to move on from one of those guys, whether it's Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, Xander Bogats, or Juan Soto. I think Soto ends up being the guy they move. They trade a lot of prospects to go and get him. I think they're going to get some prospects back in return to move him in a potential deal over the next month or two. Next up, we have Jock Peterson, who played this past season for the Giants. 15 home runs, 235 batting average, 51 runs batted in, and a 764 OPS. I have him signing a two-year $30 million deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. They're looking to add to their outfield. He does have a little bit of power, even though he didn't really have that good of a season last year. He does have promise with his bat. Obviously, he would be a good addition to that lineup. They already have a ton of power, but having him batting even lower in the lineup, let's say 6 or 7, makes the bottom of their order even stronger. Next up, we have Lance Lynn of the Dodgers, who also played for the Chicago White Sox last season. Overall, he had a 13-11 and record last season between the White Sox and the Dodgers with a 5.73 ERA and also a 1.4 whip. If you look at what he did with the Dodgers, though, he was a lot better with the Dodgers than he was with the White Sox. A 6.47 ERA and 21 starts with the White Sox. Then in the Dodgers, a 7-2 record with a 4.36 ERA. Was great starting out with the Dodgers in his first four or five starts. He was great. Completely turned back time to the pitcher he was a couple years ago in 2021. But then over time, he did struggle, but still a very good value deal considering they didn't really give up much to go out and get him and was a decent guy to have at the bottom of their rotation. I have him leaving the Dodgers, though, and I have him going to the Oakland Athletics on a two-year $15 million deal, so $7.5 million per year. I think they're going to end up flipping him at the deadline if he's having a good year. Probably go out and try to add to their prospect farm system. I think that's ultimately what they're going to do. That's what I have the A's doing in a good amount of these deals, just taking guys that had tougher years the last year or so, bring them in on smaller value deals for low money, and then maybe flip them at the deadline for prospects to try to build their farm system even more. Next up, we have Yasmani Grandal, a catcher for the Chicago White Sox. Eight home runs, 234 batting average, 33 runs batted in, and a 647 OPS last season. I have him signing a one-year, $7 million deal with the Houston Astros. They need a catcher. Maldonado is a good defensive catcher, not really helping them out offensively at all. Grandal's a better option at the plate. Next up, we have Cody Bellinger, an outfielder for the Chicago Cubs. 26 home runs, a 307 batting average, 
97 runs batted in, 20 stolen bases in an 881 OPS last season. Huge bounce back year for him. He was struggling in his last three years with the Dodgers and really broke out last season again, which is great to see. I have him signing a six-year, $145 million deal with the San Francisco Giants. Next up, we have Eduardo Rodriguez, a left-handed pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. 13-9 record last season, a 3.3 ERA and a 1.15 whip. He was a guy that was highly touted at the trade deadline. A lot of people wanted him, including the Dodgers, who had a deal in place with the Tigers. But he didn't waive his no-trade clause and ended up staying in Detroit. Now he ups out of his deal. As I said, 13-9 record last season, a 3.3 ERA. I have him signing a five-year, $130 million deal with the Baltimore Orioles. Next up, we have Josh Hader, a closer for the San Diego Padres. 2-3 record last season, a 1.28 ERA, 33 saves, and 85 strikeouts and 56 innings pitched. I have him signing a four-year, $80 million deal with the Texas Rangers. Their bullpen was one of their weaknesses at one point in the season, even though it was pretty good in the playoffs. Bullpen was an issue for them at one point in the season. I think they're going to go out and spend on their bullpen, considering Will Smith is a free agent, Aroldis Chapman is a free agent. I think they're going to go spend big money on a closer like Josh Hader. Next up, we have Julio Arias of the Los Angeles Dodgers. 11-8 record last season, a 4.6 ERA, 117 strikeouts, and 117 innings pitched with a 1.16 whip. I think the Dodgers are going to let him move on. I have him signing a four-year, $84 million deal with the Cleveland Guardians. Next up, we have Teoscar Hernandez of the Seattle Mariners. 26 home runs, 258 batting average with 93 RBIs and a 741 OPS. I have him leaving Seattle and signing a two-year, $32 million deal with the Yankees. The Yankees need help in their outfield. I think if you look at it, they're going to try to go and get Juan Soto, which will be a huge addition to their outfield and obviously would solve a lot of their problems on offense. But I think they're going to go get a free agent as well, just in case the Juan Soto sweepstakes don't work out in their favor. And then I want to give one more explanation with the last signing, Arias to the Guardians. The Guardians traded a good amount of their pitching over the last year, including... Aaron Savali, former pitcher for the Northeastern Huskies, they traded to the Rays. They need help in that rotation alongside Shane Bieber, and I think Arias would be a solid pickup for them. Next up, we have Will Smith, a relief pitcher for the Texas Rangers, 2-7 record, a 4.4 ERA and a 1.06 whip last season. I have him signing a one-year $6 million deal with the Cardinals. Maybe the deadline of things aren't working out for them. They trade him for prospects when July rolls around. Next up, we have Max Muncy, who ended up signing a two-year deal with the Dodgers re-signing, so not really too much there to say. Kyle Hendricks, a pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. 6-8 record last season, a 3.74 ERA and 93 strikeouts and 137 innings pitched. Not a big strikeout guy, but had a decent year last season, especially when you look at his age. I think he's 33 years old. I was going to say two years, $24 million deal with the Cubs, but he ended up having his option picked up, so not really too much there to say yet again. Next up, we have Reese Hoskins, a first baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies. In 2022, he had 30 home runs, 79 runs batted in, a 246 batting average, and a 794 OPS. Unfortunately, missed all of last season with the torn ACL. I have him leaving Philadelphia and signing a two-year $40 million deal with the Miami Marlins. They need help at first base. Just like the Seattle Mariners do, I had him going to Seattle originally, but I ended up flipping it and having him go to the Miami Marlins on a two-year $40 million deal. Next up, we have Jorge Soler of the Miami Marlins. 36 home runs last season, which was his most since 2019. 75 runs batted in, a 250 batting average, and an 853 OPS. He had a big bounce back season like I expected him to. I have him signing a five-year, $72 million deal with the Mets. I was between Arizona, Baltimore, and the Mets for him. Ended up choosing the New York Mets since they need help at the DH position, and he could provide a lot of power for them, whether he's playing left field or DH. He could provide a lot of power for them in that lineup. That's a guy that could be the heart of their order and help their offense out a ton. I have him signing a five-year, $72 million deal with the Mets. Very underrated player who could definitely spark an offense. Next up, we have Charlie Morton, a pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. 14-12 record last season, a 3.64 ERA and a 1.43 whip. 
I am leaving Atlanta and signing a one-year $18 million deal with the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds need help in their rotation. They're going to look for pitching. Morton could help them there as a starter. Next up, we have Justin Turner of the Boston Red Sox. 23 home runs, a 276 batting average, 96 runs batted in, and an 800 OPS last season. I have him signing a one-year $18 million deal to return to the Red Sox. As much as I'd like him to return to the Red Sox, now that I think about it, I think there is a chance he ends up leaving in free agency. Although he loved being here for Boston in that one year that he was here, I think there's a chance he goes and walks, maybe potentially for more money. He did opt out of his $14 million player option for this season. Maybe there's a chance he's going to look out and try to get more money on the open market. Next up, we have Craig Kimbrell of the Philadelphia Phillies. He had an 8-6 record that season with 23 saves and a 3.26 ERA. I have him signing a one-year $10 million deal with the Baltimore Orioles. They need help in their bullpen, considering Felix Bautista just got surged on his elbow. They need somebody that can step up as a closer. I think Kimbrough could definitely help them there. Next up, we have Lucas Giolito, who played for three teams last season. The White Sox, that was traded to the Angels, then let go by the Angels through waivers and was picked up by Cleveland. 8-15 record of the 4.88 ERA, 204 strikeouts, and 184 innings pitched. I have him signing a four-year $60 million deal with the Colorado Rockies. They need help with their pitching, and they can definitely spend a good amount of money considering they don't really pay too many guys over there besides Charlie Blackman and Chris Bryant. Next up, we have Sonny Gray of the Minnesota Twins. Really good season from last year. 8-8 eight eight record, 2.79 ERA, 183 strikeouts, and 184 innings pitched. With a 1.15 whip, I have him signing a three-year $60 million deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. If you look at the Diamondbacks rotation, Zach Gallon was great, Merrill Kelly's great, and then after that, there was a gap between the second and third starters. I think he'd be a great number three for them in that rotation. Next up, we have Blake Snow of the San Diego Padres, 14-9 record last season with a 2.25 ERA, 234 strikeouts, and 188 innings pitched with a 1.19 whip. Ivan signing a five-year $110 million deal with the Red Sox. I think it'll be a battle between the Red Sox and the Phillies. I think the Red Sox end up winning that battle there. They need help with their rotation. If you look at the last year or so, we've banked on Chris Sale to stay healthy. That's one thing you can't really ever bank on is Chris Sale staying healthy. And then obviously they need another top of the rotation guy. James Paxton was supposed to be that guy last season. He was for most of the season. That really tailed off towards the end. Now he's a free agent. Brian Bale will end up being that guy at some point. We'll see if he's the number one this season. I think he's probably better as the number two right now. I think Blake Snell would be a great number one for the Red Sox. Probably will be the Cy Young in the NL this season. Next up, we have Michael Walker, former Red Sox pitcher, and he pitched last season for the Padres. 14-4 record with a 3.22 ERA, 124 strikeouts, 134 innings pitched with a 1.16 whip. Ivan signing a three-year $39 million deal to return to the San Diego Padres. Next up, we have Wade Miley of the Milwaukee Brewers. 9-4 record last season with a 3.14 ERA and a 1.14 whip. Ivan signing a two-year $13 million deal with the Chicago White Sox. They got rid of a lot of their pitches last year at the deadline, including guys like Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, and potentially even may even move on from Dylan Cease this offseason if they get a deal they like. So Wade Miley could definitely help them in the rotation. Next up, we have Gio Urshela, our third baseman for the Angels. Two home runs, 24 runs batted in, and a two ninety nine batting average in 62 games last season for the Halos. Ivan signing a one-year $8 million deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. They need help at third base, and Urshela, when he was healthy last season, was very solid for the Angels. Next up, we have Luis Severino of the Yankees. Very tough season from last year. 4-8 record with a 6.65 ERA and 19 starts. Also at a 1.65 whip. The talents there with Severino at one point 2019, he was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. And then injuries really plagued him over the last three seasons. Was healthy for the most part this past year and really struggled. But I still think he has the talent and I think he can bounce back. I have him signing a two-year $21 million deal with the Kansas City Royals. They need help in the rotation. They can spend money on anyone. And it might be worth the low risk there and high reward potential if they go out there and get Luis Severino. Next up, we have Jordan Montgomery of the Texas Rangers. 10-11 and 11 record last season overall between the Rangers and the Cardinals. Three 
3.2 ERA, 166 strikeouts, and 188 innings pitched with a 1.19 whip. Ivan signing a four-year, $72 million deal with the Angels. There's going to be a lot of teams that want him this year in the offseason, considering he was really hot for the Rangers, was basically their number one for the first two playoff series. It was a big reason they won the World Series. Ivan going to the Angels, though, they need help in that rotation. And considering pitching's been a big issue for them over the years, they need a top-of-the-end rotation guy, and Montgomery could end up being their number one. Next up, we have Matt Moore, who pitched for the Angels last season and the Miami Marlins after being placed on waivers by the Angels. He had a 2.56 ERA last season with a 5-1 record and a 1.16 whip. Ivan going to the Chicago Cubs on a one-year $6 million deal. They need help in their bullpen. He could definitely be a great addition for them as a guy in the 7th or 8th inning. Next up, we have Seth Lugo of the San Diego Padres. 8-7 and seven record last season as a starter with a 3.57 ERA and a 1.2 whip. Ivan signing a 2-year $23 million deal with the Miami Marlins. Next up, we have Kenta Maeda of the Minnesota Twins, six and eight record last season with a 4.23 ERA and a 1.17 WHIP. Ivan signing a one-year, seven and a half million dollar deal with the Pittsburgh Pirates. They need help with the rotation. Maeda had a decent year last season, was healthy for the most part. Could definitely be a good, solid, low-risk, high-reward add there for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Maybe they move him at the deadline if they get him on a one-year deal. Next up, we have Kyle Gibson of the Baltimore Orioles. Was really the top of the rotation guy for a good amount of season. I think early on especially. But they do have a lot of prospects coming up, so he won't be that guy if he does resign with them. 15-9 record last season with a 4.73 ERA, 157 strikeouts, and 192 innings pitched with a 1.32 whip. Ivan signing a two-year $18 million deal with the Los Angeles Angels. They need help. In their starting rotation, I think he'd be a solid addition, just like I also have Jordan Montgomery going there. Montgomery and Gibson could definitely help them in their starting rotation. Next up, we have Jay McCandelario, who played for the Cubs and the Washington Nationals last season. 22 home runs, 251 batting average, with 70 RBIs and an 807 OPS. Ivan going to the Yankees on a two-year $21 million deal. The Yankees need to add some power to their lineup. Candelaro could play third base or first base. I think he'd fit right in there in the Bronx. Next up, we have Jordan Hicks, who played for the Blue Jays and the Cardinals last season. 3-9 record last season with a 3.29 ERA, 12 saves, and a 1.36 whip. Ivan going to the Cincinnati Reds on a one-year $8 million deal. Bullpen is an issue for them, just like the starting rotation. I think they'll spend a little bit on the open market to try to aid their bullpen. Next up, we have Whit Merrifield of the Toronto Blue Jays. 11 home runs, 272 batting average, with 26 stolen bases and a 700 OPS last year. Ivan signing a two-year $60 million deal with the Boston Red Sox. I think the Red Sox need help at second base. Even can play some outfield as well, Merrifield. And also is a nice stolen base threat. Has been a very good hitter overall his whole career as an average guy. Hitting for 300 a good amount for a lot of his seasons. I think he'd be a good addition for the Boston Red Sox in their lineup. Next up, we have David Robinson of the New York Mets. 6-6 six six record last season with a 3.03 ERA, 78 strikeouts, and 65 innings pitched with a 1.19 whip and also 18 saves. Ivan going to the Atlanta Braves on a two-year $20 million deal. Definitely could help them in their bullpen. Next up, we have J.D. Martinez of the Dodgers. 33 home runs, 271 batting average, 103 RBIs, and an 893 OPS last year. Big bounce back season for J.D. Not many people really expected it. If the Dodgers can't go out and get Shohei Otani, I think they bring back J.D. Martinez on a one-year, let's say, $21 million deal. But if Otani ends up signing with the Dodgers, he's going to be the DH. So J.D. Martinez would really lose his spot in the outfield and a DH. He could play the outfield, but at this point in his career, he's more of a DH. So if the Dodgers don't get Otani, then I think J.D. returns. If they get Otani... I think J.D. ends up going to the San Francisco Giants on a one-year $21 million deal. Next up, we have James Paxton, who was the ace for a good amount of last season for the Red Sox. 7-5 record, a 4.5 ERA, 101 strikeouts, and 96 innings pitched with a 1.31 whip. Got hit around in his last three starts. That's a reason his ERA skyrocketed at the end of the year. Ivan leaving on a two-year $26 million deal with the Phillies. They need help in the rotation. As I said, with the Diamondbacks, same thing with the Phillies. They're 1-2. 
in there. Starting rotation's great. Aaron, Noah, Zach Whalen. And after that, there is a little bit of a drop-off. I think Paxton could be a solid three for them. I was between Detroit and Philly for Paxton, but ended up rolling with Philadelphia Phillies. Next up, we have Michael Lorenzen, who pitched last season for Philadelphia and Detroit. Two teams I just mentioned there, with Paxton being two places he could end up. Lorenzen last season, 99 record with a 4.18 ERA, 111 strikeouts and 153 innings pitched with a 1.21 whip. I have him signing a two-year, $22 million deal with the New York Yankees. Next up, we have Frankie Montas of the Yankees. Only pitched one and one-third innings last season for the Yanks. A big issue for him since coming over from Oakland has been injuries. And then also he struggled even when he was healthy last year or two years ago now. I have him signing a low-risk, high-reward potential deal with the Colorado Rockies on a one-year, $6 million deal. He could be a potential trade piece for the Rockies in July. If he bounces back, maybe they go out and get a prospect or two in return for him at the deadline. Next up, we have Mark Melanson of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Missed all last season with an injury, unfortunately. But in 2022, had a 4.66 ERA and 18 saves for the D-backs. He's 38 years old now, so he's not going to get a big contract even with or without the injuries. I think he signs a one-year, $3.5 million deal with the Washington Nationals. It could be a potential trade piece if things are going poorly for them in July. Like we saw a couple years ago with Josh Bell being traded, and the same goes with Jamie Candelario last year. They signed lower deals, small contracts for guys, and then moved them at the deadline when things are struggling for them midway through the season. Next up, we have Adam Frazier of the Baltimore Orioles. 13 home runs, 60 runs batted in, and a 240 batting average last season. I have him going to the Seattle Mariners on a one-year $8 million deal. He can play a good amount of positions and also had a solid year offensively, 13 home runs, 240 batting average. Is better for the most part. Did tail off, I think, towards the end of the season, but could be a solid addition for them for the Mariners on a smaller contract, just one-year $8 million. Next up, we have Rich Hill, who pitched last season for the Pirates in the Padres. A guy I'm a big fan of. I wanted the Red Sox to bring him back last year. Unfortunately, ends up going to Pittsburgh on a one-year $8 million deal. He was good for the Sox a couple years ago, definitely chewed innings, and was very good towards the end of the season. I think in his last three starts, he was just a shutout pitcher towards the end of the year in 2022. Last season, though, 8-14 record, 5.41 ERA, 129 strikeouts, and 146 innings pitched with a 1.52 whip. Ivan signing a one-year $6.5 million deal with the Washington Nationals. We'll see what happens with mid-free agency. I would love the Red Sox to bring him back. If they potentially get him back, that could be a great addition to the bottom of the Red Sox rotation. Maybe he's the fourth or fifth starter. Next up, CJ Crone of the Angels. 12 home runs last season. Did play for the Rockies as well. 12 home runs, 248 batting average, 37 runs batted in, and 729 OPS. Ivan signing a one-year $7 million deal with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Next up, we have Adam Duvall of the Red Sox. 21 home runs, 247 batting average, 58 runs batted in, and an 834 OPS last season for the Sox. Ivan returning to Boston on a two-year, $14.5 million deal with a mutual option on that second year. Alex Verdugo will likely be traded for a pitcher at some point. The Red Sox need to go out and get an outfield and help them out in the outfield. Duvall's a free agent. With Verdugo gone, that's another gap in the outfield. I think Duvall looked like he enjoyed his time in Boston. And if you look at Duvall, when he heated up, he was one of the best hitters in baseball. The first week of the MLB last season, he was one of the best hitters in the game. And then even at one point midway through the season, I believe in August... He was heating up just like he did at the beginning of the year. Next up, we have G-Man Choi of the Pirates in Padres last season. Six home runs, 163 batting average between those two teams. He did struggle, so he's not going to get a big deal on the open market. I have him going to the Philadelphia Phillies on a one-year, $3.5 million deal. Their first base depth is basically gone with Hoskins potentially leaving in free agency. We'll see Bryce Hopper still playing first base next season. I have G-Man Choi going there as a bench piece for them at first base. Next up, we have Tommy Pham of the Arizona Diamondbacks. 16 home runs, 256 batting average, 68 runs batted in, 22 stolen bases, and a 774 OPS last year. 
I'm leaving Arizona on a two-year $20 million deal with the Houston Astros. They're looking for a guy to play left field, maybe a potential guy in the middle of the order to get them some offensive production, and I think he'd be a solid addition for them. Next up, we have Jack Flaherty of the Baltimore Orioles. Also played for the Cardinals last season. 8-9 record, 4.99 ERA, a 1.58 whip with 148 strikeouts and 144 innings pitched. I've been going to the Texas Rangers and being part of their starting rotation on a three-year $35 million deal. We'll see what happens with Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. Two guys that should be healthy at the start of next season. The problem with those two guys is you can't bank on them staying healthy. They need to add to their rotation, especially with Jordan Montgomery being a free agent. Nate Evaldi will still be there, but that's three injury-prone pitches in Evaldi, Scherzer, and DeGrom. They need to add to that rotation. I think Flaherty could be a good guy to have maybe as their fourth or fifth starter. Next up, we have Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox. One home run, 245 batting average last season with 25 runs batted in, 13 stolen bases, and a 582 OPS. Did have a 274 batting average in the second half of the year. He did heat up towards the end. I have him going to the Toronto Blue Jays on a one-year $7 million deal. With Bo Bichette at shortstop, he can go and play second base for them, especially considering they're looking for someone to play second base with Whit Merrifield being a free agent. Anderson could be a good guy to get on a smaller deal that could potentially be a high reward if he does return to play where he once was a couple years ago with the White Sox. Next up, we have Mitch Garver of the Texas Rangers, a catcher for them who had a very good year offensively, 19 home runs, 270 batting average, 50 runs batted in, and an 870 OPS. Ivan going to the Miami Marlins on a three-year, $37 million deal. A lot of people like Tampa Bay for him. A lot of people like him to return to the Texas Rangers. The Miami Marlins had a good team last season, just missed out on potentially making a run considering they had to play the Phillies in the first round. That was a tough matchup to begin their postseason run. If they could add a couple more pieces to their offense, maybe they could make a deeper run. I think catcher is a definitely a problem for them, and I think Garver could definitely help them out offensively, so I have him going there on a 3 at $37 million deal. Next up, we have Roldis Chapman, a relief pitcher for the Texas Rangers. 6-5 record last season, with a 3.09 ERA between the Royals and the Rangers, with 103 strikeouts and 58 innings pitched. Showed he could still strike out a lot of guys, and obviously showed he was still a key piece of them in the postseason, so he showed he could pitch in a lot of big games. I am going back to the Texas Rangers on a two-year $17.5 million deal. Next up, we have Lourdes Gurriel Jr., an outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks, who had a big bounce back year offensively, 24 home runs, 261 batting average, 82 runs batted in, and a 772 OPS. I've been going back to the Arizona Diamondbacks on a three-year $45 million deal. Was a key part of their offense, a guy that was an underrated addition last offseason. I think he ends up going back to the D-backs on a three-year deal. Next up, we have Michael Chavis of the Washington Nationals. Two home runs, 242 batting average, and a 622 OPS last season. A guy that I'm a big fan of. Would love to see him back on the Red Sox, potentially being a backup at second base. But I'm going to the Oakland Athletics on a one-year $3 million deal. Hopefully he gets more playing time on the A's. He's a guy that I'm a fan of and will always root for. Hopefully he does return to the Red Sox one day. As you guys know, I'd love to see that. I've talked to him about a good amount on the podcast. Was sad when the Red Sox let him go. But he did get more playing time at Pittsburgh after he was traded. Hopefully he gets more playing time next season, potentially with the Oakland A's. Next up, we have Robert Stevenson of the Pittsburgh Pirates and Tampa Bay Rays. He had a 3-1 record last season with a 2.35 ERA after being traded to Tampa Bay for 42 appearances out of the bullpen. I have him on a two-year, $7.5 million deal, returning to Tampa Bay. They need help in that bullpen. He was a good addition for them last season. I think they bring him back on a smaller deal. Next up, we have Michael A. Taylor of the Minnesota Twins. 21 home runs last season, which was a career high for him. 220 batting average, 51 runs batted in, 13 stolen bases, also 720 OPS. He's very good defensively. He's a guy I talked about last season when I did my season preview at the WZBC Studios. I mentioned Michael A. Taylor as being an underrated player, and he did show last season. He does a pop off his bat, 21 home runs, which was a career high. Ivan signed a three-year, $28 million deal with the Colorado Rockies. They have money to spend. 
Do avoid in the outfield. He could make some sense of them to go out there and get him in free agency. Now for the last guy I'm going to mention, Jesse Winker of the Milwaukee Brewers. One home run, 199 batting average, and a 567 OPS last season. He did struggle last season for the Brewers. I have him signing a very small deal, one-year $2.25 million deal with the Washington Nationals. They do have a lot of prospects coming up at some point, so they're not going to go out and spend a lot on stop gaps like a potential Jesse Winker. I think he'd be a good addition for them, though. And just like the rest of the guys I had the national sign for the most part, and the same thing with the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Royals and the Oakland Athletics, sign guys to small contracts that were struggling over the last year, see if they can get back to their original form, and maybe go out and get a prospect or two in return when July rolls around. So one last thing I'm going to talk about before I close is a question of who's going to have the biggest free agency. And I have three teams that I want to mention, with two of them being the top. I think the San Francisco Giants are going to go out and spend a ton in free agency. The Giants have been aggressive over the last year. They've been waiting to add a big addition to their lineup. They tried with Carlos Correa last season. That didn't work out. They tried with Aaron Judge. That didn't work out. I think they're going to be aggressive on the open market. I think they're going to get Cody Bellinger. And I think they're going to be right there for Shohei Otani. I think it's going to be between the Dodgers and the Giants at the end of the day. Both teams are going to go out there and have to overspend over the other. I think San Francisco is going to be right there, though. I really do. At second, I have the Baltimore Orioles, a team that obviously looked great last season. They've overexceeded expectations over the last two years. A couple years ago, that was a building year for them, and then last year they really popped off the number one overall seed in the AL, and they still have a ton of prospects coming up over the next year, including Jackson Holiday, the number one overall prospect in baseball. So when he comes up, they're going to be looking to try to make a potential run, and I think their pitching is still an issue for them. I think they'll be in the sweepstakes for guys like Shohei Otani, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell. They're going to need pitching, and I think they're going to be aggressive considering they do have prospects coming up over the next year, and they do have a chance right now to go out and try to make a deep run. They have the team to do so. Just last year, they had a lot of young guys that were inexperienced. Now with a playoff run under their belt, obviously things didn't work out. They lost right after their first round bye. But now this could be potential another step up for them where they make a deep run in the AL playoff race. And at number three are the Los Angeles Dodgers, a team that's only spending around $109 million on their current payroll for next season. That's 16th in the MLB. They're $6 million under the league average for their 2024 team payrolls. So that's never the case for the Dodgers. They're always a top three or top five team in spending, usually number one or number two. I think they're going to go out and spend a lot of money. They found a way to cut their payroll last season to prepare for this moment and try to get Shohei Otani. I think they're going to go out and try to get him. That's obviously going to be the number one potential free agent target. Anyways, it will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.